You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Uh, what a great day. What a great, you guys are great. You guys are wonderful. I love being here. I got the best job in the world. I'm, I'm a very lucky man to get to be here to pastor this great church. So today we are finishing up our, our series on uphill habits. Uphill habits. Okay. Okay. So Bubba, Bubba is out fishing illegally. <laughs> His wife's nowhere near. Okay. His wife's way, way, way at home doing the responsible things. Um, and and he, 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 of course, is fishing illegally. He's fishing illegally, all right? Doesn't have a license. He's got a big old pail full of fish, and he is walking out from where he's fishing, and the game warden stops him and says, Sir, do you have a license for these fish? And Bubba says, No, I don't. No, I don't. He goes, Well, it's illegal. I said, Well, sir, sir, these are, I, I didn't catch these fish. These are my pet fish. And the game warden looks at him just like, yeah, you kidding me? He goes, no, every day I come down and I let them go play and then I whistle and they jump back in the bucket. (laughs) He goes, okay, we'll go ahead and do that. And so Bubba walks down to the water and throws the fish back into the water. And the game warden says, go ahead and whistle and bring them back. And Bubba looks back at him and says, what fish? (laughs) (laughs) All right, there you go. There you go. All right, uphill habits. Uphill habits. This is something we've said every week, and it's the beginning. If you have your bulletin on the back side of your bulletin, there's some notes for you to follow along. I'm going to encourage you to do that. Keep these. Look back on them. Great resource for you. But here's the premise that we've been working off throughout this series is this, is that most of us have uphill hopes. This is your first blank. Uphill hopes and downhill habits. And that's a conflict. We know this. We've been... Talking about this over and over again, what happens in our life when our hopes and our habits don't line up? And there's a solution for this. It's, we find it through God's Word, and he, he asks us to come to His Word and to rely upon the Holy Spirit to give us the strength and His grace to be able to form the right habits so that we can have uphill habits that match our uphill hopes. And so when we are, find ourselves in this place of conflict, then we don't want to give up and get frustrated. And, and, and the, the design that God has given us is not like a New Year's resolution. New Year's resolutions, guys, we get it. Most of us have given up on the gym that we started the membership on in January, right? It's like, trust me, I've got a garage full of exercise equipment that's very, very lonely, okay? And that's how it goes sometimes, right? We set out in an ambitious pace. But we're not talking about New Year's resolutions. This is actually something that you can't do in your own ability or your own strength. And that's great news, believe it or not. What we're talking about is going to God's Word and looking at a a few principles, a few truths that we want to see built into our life in the way of a habit so that we begin to grow into everything that God has designed us to be. Why? Because the enemy of our future sometimes are the flaws of our character. Oh, hold on. We're getting, I'm going to go deep for just a second, okay? Because here's what happens sometimes in church is that we're conf- confronted when we, we sense the overwhelming love of God like we just sang about. And we feel his calling and his destiny and his love and his grace toward us. That always calls us into our tomorrow. See, here's what God always does in us. He wants to reconcile our yesterday and then call us into our tomorrow. 
So God is not struggling over sin like some of us are. He's already settled it. And so he calls us and leads us by his grace. But what has to happen oftentimes for us to walk in the truths of his calling is that there has to be some character formation in us. And so we have to go to the Word. Why? Because if I can be blunt with you, just really quick, is that oftentimes we misread the purpose of the altar. And we think that we can develop and change our character by the laying on of hands. You can't. You can break every, listen to me, you can break every stronghold that is a starting gate of the formation of a habit at the altar. Because Jesus promised he would do it. He is the one who lays the axe to the root of a stronghold and destroys it completely. But until you go to the truth of his word and allow it to be formed in you in the way of a character or as we're talking about, a habit, you are not going to walk in the fullness of the calling that God has for you. So this is really actually important, even though it's chock full of practical, simple things as we go to God's word that we need to do. So what is it about an uphill habit that we need to understand? Uphill habits take work. They take work. We understand that. Nothing that is worth doing is necessarily easy to do. Sometimes the things that need to be formed in us the greatest take the most work. They're not easy, but they are possible. They're possible, as I said already, through the power of the Holy Spirit, but the second thing that makes them possible, the second tool that we have in our toolbox that makes uphill habits possible are, is the accountability that we find in relationships, being in relationships. And as a matter of fact, we're closing out this series talking exactly about that. So habit number four is this, and this is in your blanks. You're filling the blank. And it says this, choose my relationships carefully. So we're talking today about the habit of choosing our relationships carefully. The relationships decisions that you make in your life will be the most important choices you make. Some of us have heard this before, but it's a good saying. It's worth saying. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. In high school, I had three friends, and they were uh, three best friends. They were all named Brian. I'm not joking. I had a Brian Brooks, who was my childhood friend, actually from third grade throughout my young adult life. Still friends with him today. I had another guy named uh, Brian Ryan, who, when I took a detour in my educational process and invested in some, looked at some other opportunities, I flunked the grade. And, uh, and I went to a private school. He became my best friend. And then when I, later on in my junior and senior year, my best friend was Brian Schweitzer. And here's the thing, is that I made some decisions based off of these guys that didn't reflect my future. They, they reflected some things that I needed in my life. And I learned this lesson from a very young age that your friends will, will show you your future. The type of people you hang out with will determine your future. And that makes relationships very, very important. The people that you invest your life in and allow to invest in your life become the people that influence the direction of your life. 
Proverbs 27:19 says this. It's on the screen here. It says, "A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses." Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty blunt. That's right there in our face. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. So there's four relationship choices that we have to make that I want to talk to you, and then I want to give you some keys on how to master relationships. A few things that if we take a few areas of relationships we need to master, we need to, to have in our life. But let's talk about these four relationship choices really quick. The first one is this, is that we need to nurture my important relationships or nurture the important relationships in your life. What are the most important relationships in your life? Think about that really quick. The most important relationships in your life. This, this should not be a, a difficult thing for you to answer. Hopefully everybody said number one would be God, God. And then number two, if you're married, it, hopefully it's your spouse. If not, um, we got help for you somewhere. Okay, we, we will help you. Um, it needs to be your spouse and then your children. These are the most important relationships that God has put in your life, and we must nurture these relationships. But what happens when there are conflicts in these most important relationships? What happens when we struggle to nurture the most important relationships in our life? The first thing that we have to do is that we have to stop focusing and thinking that the problem is the person. Or the problem is the relationship. Now listen, when we have conflict in the most important relationships of our life, the problem is not the relationship. The problem is not the other person. The problem is the nurture, the lack of nurture in the relationship. Here's the logic, is that if you have a fireplace in your home, and we've had a couple of homes where there's been a fireplace. One time, a, a short story, side story, when Kim and I were first married, we lived in San Antonio, and uh, in this little tiny apartment, and it just so happened as South Texas does, it decided to freeze in San Antonio. In San Antonio, and the ice and the roads froze up, and I mean, I think in that, no joke, in that few-day period, there were like 500 accidents in San Antonio. I mean, it was crazy. Listen, Texas, we know how to do a lot of things well. We know how to back up trailers, all right, and boats. And most, of the, most of the country doesn't know how to do that, but we don't know how to drive on ice, all right? Just, just boom, forget about it, all right? Stay home. Okay? And so we had a little fireplace, and and boy, I tell you, look, we, we were like cold because all of a sudden the power went out in the apartment complex we were out. Power lines were going down, and it was below freezing. It was awful. And so we were like, okay, we had a few logs that, you know, we had on our balcony, so we threw them in there. But, of course, that just burns up fast. And then we were kind of out of stuff because the stores were closed and we couldn't get anywhere. So we started tossing through some old books. I'm going to be honest with you. But they burnt fast too. Well, guys, I got to be honest with you. We took our animals. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No, we had this old IKEA uh, TV cabinet in our apartment, 
And I'm looking at Kim, and she's looking at me, and her teeth are chattering, and I'm like freezing, and we're cuddled up, and we just can't get warm. And I said, babe, that Ikea TV cabinet's got to go. And I began to methodically break this thing down. By methodically, I mean, I took a hammer to it pretty swiftly. And we just chunked it in the fire one piece at a time. And some miraculous, supernatural thing, it lasted until the power came back into the apartment. But here's the thing about nurturing a relationship that I want you to see. It's just like the fuel in a fireplace. You can make a fire, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and you can get all nice and cozy and call your loved one next to you and be like, hey, we're going we're gonna to sit on the couch and cuddle and watch the fire. But look, th- those logs will burn out eventually. And that perfect scenario will eventually get cold again until somebody gets up and goes and gets the logs that are needed to put the fuel back into the fire. And that's what nurturing relationship is, is keeping the fuel on the fire in those relationships. So the question is with this, when it comes to nurturing the right relationships or the important relationships, are you putting fuel on the fire of those relationships? Because relationships take work. Even though they take work, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. And I got to be honest with you, anybody who's married understands this. No matter how much you say, I love you, your relationship still takes work. Kim and I have been married almost 21 years, and I can tell you, look, I love that woman. I outpunted my coverage when I found her. If you don't know what that means, Google it. She's way better than me. But I want to tell you something. Our relationship takes work. We have got to work on it. We've got to spend time having a time together, a date night, something where we spend time together investing in each other. Some of you say, look, the grass is greener on the other side. Some of you, and I want to just talk really briefly to to, to men out there and say, look, if you've been entertaining something in, in your mind or in your heart, something that you shouldn't be, I want you to stop. And I want to speak very honestly, honestly to you because God loves marriage. He loves the principle of marriage. He created it. And sometimes we get uh, just kind of just out of our sorts thinking that the grass is greener on the other side. But I want to tell you something. If the grass is greener on the other side, so is the water bill. If the grass is greener on the other side, so is the water bill. Because here's the thing is that any good relationship that you see If you're looking at your relationship and saying, oh, I wish it could be like that one, I can promise you that the only reason why your relationship is not like that one is because there's an absence of nurturing where you are. And so you have to invite the Holy Spirit to rekindle that, to rekindle that. And here is a principle that's attached to this idea that we're going to see here in 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8. But I want to tell you this, listen. Our choices lead us, and our feelings follow. When it comes to nurturing relationships in our life and, have, and having nurture in the most important relationships of our life, we cannot be led by feelings. We have to be led by choice. We have to choose to love. We have to choose to sacrifice. We have to choose to lay down some of the things we want to do and make time for the very most important things in our life because they are God's design to grow us. And so you can't be led through your emotions. You have to be choice-led. 
Meaning you have to choose to honor God's word. You have to choose to love when it's not easy. You have to choose to forgive when it's not easy. You have to choose. Lead with your choices. 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8 says this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Here's what Peter is saying. And it's very specific here as to what he's saying. And it, and it is in, it entirely correlated to the fact that we have to nurture the most important relationships. He says this, the end of things is near. Here's what he's talking about. We are living in the last days. And so instead of focusing on the things that divide us, we need to focus on the things that unite us. And here's what Peter is saying again. He's saying, listen, above all things, above your desire to be right, above knowing who's wrong, above the the differences that separate us, above the things that we don't like about one another, above the quirks and, and the differences, love one another. Why? Because when we invite the love of God, and we're not led by our feeling, but we're led by our choices, and we come to the Word and say, God, as we choose to love because you tell us to and you loved us, what happens is that it covers a multitude of sins. The second thing is this, and this is a little bit difficult here. We have to restore some broken relationships. Restore some broken relationships. Even though this seems painful, it's not impossible to heal a broken relationship because a broken relationship is more painful, is more painful than sometimes the things we have to face to restore it. Walking in a broken relationship sometimes is more painful than the things we have to do to fix a broken relationship. Romans 12, 17 and 18 says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And here's what I want you to focus on in this scripture. It says this, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Now here is what the scripture is telling us. That when we have the opportunity to restore broken relationships, we need to. We need to. We need to decide in our hearts to walk in forgiveness every chance we get. We have to settle in our heart for forgiveness. That that is the option that we lean into. As a matter of fact, Jesus included this principle in his prayer that he gave us that guides the way we pray. Now I want you to please just see this and focus on this, on the importance that Jesus gave to the power of forgiveness. There will absolutely be times in our life where people offend us, where things happen, when things that, and guys listen, I would love to tell you, I would love, I, I could write a book on the opportunities that I get on a regular basis to be offended with people. But here's what Jesus said concerning this. Listen, we know this. In his prayer, he said this, Forgive me as I forgive those 
Forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me, who have offended me. And this is what it means. To the degree that I am willing to forgive somebody, forgive me. Now, I want you to put this into perspective for just a second, and please hear this, because this wasn't just a guy giving us a prayer model. This was Jesus Christ, fully man, yet fully God, who is giving us an in-depth understanding of the way His Father perceives forgiveness. And I need you to hear this. Because anytime we choose unforgiveness, we are choosing to step out of the revelation of the grace of the Father. Do you see that? Because Jesus said this, he said, listen, forgive me, I need forgiveness first, I need the revelation of your grace and your mercy toward me, so that I can in return forgive those to the extent that I am willing to forgive, forgive me. We have to release those who have hurt us or offended us. Because you can't live with unforgiveness and this kind of hurt in your heart and live a successful life. Let me say it like this to you. Unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire, hoping the other person dies of smoke inhalation. It's really, think about that, it's stupid, it's idiotic, nobody would do that. But that is what unforgiveness is, because we isolate ourselves, we cut ourselves off, but not only that, we damage a part of our soul that unites us to the grace of God and keeps us flexible so that we can grow in the context of relationships, and so we have to look to restore broken relationships in our life. Colossians 3.13 says this, Bear with one, bear with each other, and forgive one another. If any of you has, has a grievance against someone, forgive as a Lord forgave you. Bear with one another. Bear with one another. Hey, man, it's not easy to put up with people. But guess what? It's not easy to put up with you either. <laughs> All right? Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Why? Because Jesus forgave you. He forgave you. And I got to say this, man, because this is something I love, but I don't want to ever lose sight of that grace. I don't know about you. I hope you don't either, but I don't ever want to lose sight of that grace that I've been forgiven by, that somehow I earned or deserved that. No, that's just not true. Number three, we're going, just a, we're going a little bit deeper each time, okay? We need to sever, sever any harmful relationships. Now, this is how we differentiate between restoring the broken and getting rid of the damaging, okay? We don't talk about this enough in church. i got to be really honest with you. Because sometimes we misperceive forgiveness and say that forgiveness means that we stay in relationships that are harmful and bad for us. And that's not what the Scripture says. We have to sever any harmful relationships what type of relationships are these that are not good for us in our life? These are relationships that are destructive, meaning that they are harmful, that they're pulling us in the wrong direction. They're pulling us in the wrong direction. They're divisive. They're bringing disunity in our life with others and with our calling. They're manipulating, which means that they're self-seeking. 
These types of relationships we have to disconnect from. We need to sever from. You have to be careful that you're not unequally yoked with people that are heading the wrong direction. And the whole purpose of that scripture is not, when Jesus said that, is not so that this is about the little indifferences and small disagreements that we have and the things that we just talked about in the restoring the broken relationships. This is when two people have two different directions. And I'm not talking about marriage. Maybe, look, I'm talking about the areas of your life. Look, if you're unequally yoked with somebody and they're not following the Lord and they've got an influence and a voice in your life, maybe it's time to ask the Lord, is it time for me to sever that relationship? And I know that's not easy. I know that's a hard decision. But these things and the importance of relationships, the way that God designed relationships in our life and why we have to master this habit is because relationships matter. They matter. Proverbs 13.20 says this. It's a great passage. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Let me read this other passage to you. It gives another insight into this. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. If you're purposing to follow everything that Jesus has for you, pay attention to who you're yoked up to. Because if you're yoked up to somebody who is pulling you a different direction, that is not agreeing with you, and you have, they have influence, and they have a say in your life, and they can manipulate things in your life, it's time to sever that relationship. The fourth thing is this. Initiate some meaningful relationships. Initiate some meaningful relationships. Some of you say, look, I don't have any good friendships. Well, I want to look back at you and say, are you friendly? Are you friendly? Have you sought to make good relationships and and build relationships? And in our life, we have to understand that we need to have these types of relationships, good relationships in our life. These types of relationships are encouraging. They're future-focused, and they speak the truth. And love. These are the kind of relationships that we see in church. And I'm not getting on a platform to tell you that it has to be this church. But what I am telling you is that the church should be the place where you are building the most meaningful relationships. Should be the easiest place for you to initiate some meaningful relationships. Hebrews 10.25 says this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. All the more as we see the day approaching. Again, another reference to the end days, the last days. But here's a truth that surrounds us concerning the habit of building the right relationships in our life. Is that you can't expect to have meaningful relationships in your life if you're not connected in a place where that can happen. And I'll be honest. Look, you have to connect in a place where you can build meaningful relationships. This is why small groups is so important to us. I want to tell you something. I love seeing your faces right now. I love seeing your faces. But I want to tell you, as far as it goes with our church concerning small groups, this is something I need you to hear, and I will say over and over again. I meet with the team on a weekly basis, and we talk about this, is that we are not a church with small groups. Small groups are not a ministry we do. We are a church of 
small groups. Why? Because sitting where you are right now, listening to me, you're not growing in relationships. This is a time for you to hear the word and to interact with the, with the Holy Spirit. But that's only one part of the coin, one side of the coin. The other side of the coin that secures your growth and your future is when you begin to connect into relationships, and that's what happens at small groups. Listen, we can come together and we can talk about anything. There's a thousand reasons why we can join together. Maybe it's because you like David Jeremiah or Andy Stanley, or maybe you like to golf, or maybe you like to mow lawns, or maybe you like to fish. I don't care why we gather together. What I care about is because we, just that we gather That we gather because in the context that God promises here in the scripture, as we gather, we grow. This is initiating meaningful relationships. Let's run through these last things really fast. Talking about mastering a habit. Four relationships you got to have in your life. The first is this, develop a relationship with my church. I talked about that just a second. I'm not going to rehash that. Ephesians 2.19 says this, You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You are members. You're not attenders. You're members. And being a member means that you belong. This should be your church. You should look at Freedom Christian Fellowship if God has called you here. And if God hasn't called you here, I solidly have a relationship with a dozen pastors in this community that I look at as friends and brothers that I will recommend you to. There are great churches in this community. But you have to find a church where you feel like you belong, that you can make an investment, and that you're a member at, that you're loved, that when you come, it matters. Because you're not just called to be an attender. You're called to be a member. Every one of us has to have that in our life. The next thing is this, is that we have to develop, I have to develop my relationship with godly friends. I want to show you the New Testament process here. And this is why friendships, godly friendships are so important. Why even though it may be hard to disconnect from wrong relationships, and to heal broken relationships, the importance comes to have godly friendships. This is the process in the New Testament. There was a Sunday celebration. There was a time when they got together. Some of the churches in the New Testament were bigger than any church that we commonly know about today. They had tens of thousands of people in those churches. But it didn't stop there. The book of Acts 2 tells us, chapter 2 tells us this, is that they would gather together in homes, and this is where life change happened. Acts 2.44 says this, As the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. This, again, is the power of small group ministry in our church. What we want to see developed. What we are working and pushing toward. The third thing is this, is develop a relationship with the team. Every one of you, God has designed with a purpose and a gift to be used. This comes when we begin to serve in a team. It's fun to be on a team. It's fun to root for a team, isn't it? 
It's fun to root for a high school team. It's fun to root for the Cowboys some seasons. It's awesome, awesome, awesome to root for the Astros. Thank you, Jesus. Again, thank you, Jesus. You overcame our enemies, and we thank you for that. It's fun to be a part of a team. And here's why. is because you're never going to do anything significant on your own. We've generated a myth in our society where we celebrate people. We celebrate people who we think just came out of the womb, jumped up, and became great people. I want to take, and just for a second, I'm, I've never done this before, but I want to recommend a beautiful book. It's not a Christian book, but it's a smart, very good book. It's by a guy named Malcolm Gladwell. It's called The Tipping Point. And he debunks the myth that any one person on their own came to the greatness that they came to by themselves. He proves it. And it's what's so powerful to me is that I didn't need to read that book to see that, but it supported what the Scripture always says. And here's the importance of being on a team, is that when you get on a team, not only do you begin to do things together with people who are, who are the same heart and the same direction, but it brings fulfillment to your life. And if you're not on a team serving somewhere, finding your place to begin to give out of your life, then you need to. You need to connect onto a team, and we want to help you with that. And then the last thing to this morning is this. Develop my relationship with God. My relationship with God. I want to talk about this from this angle. Just by offering up a question is what would your life look like if you went all in for Jesus? What would your life look like if you went all in with Jesus? That you held nothing back, but you said, Jesus, everything that I am, you can have, and my passion is directed towards you. I'm going to listen to what you say. I'm going to love you with everything inside of me. I'm going all in. People try God sometimes. Maybe you're here today and you've tried God. You said, God, I, I'll do the Sunday thing and, I'll, and I'll, maybe I'll, I'll even do a couple of odd times throughout the year. I'll give you a little bit of money. God, I'm going to try you. But, but in reality, you know in your heart you're not all in. You know, listen, that's such an odd concept, but we do that with God. No, nobody does that in real life. Nobody gets up and says, oh, I'm going to try the NBA. I'm, okay, guys, tomorrow, quitting pastoring, and I'm going to go try out for the NBA. Guess what? I'll be back in two weeks. Why? Because I can't make the NBA. Why? Because nobody tries the NBA. Nobody tries the MLB. Nobody tries to be a rocket scientist one day. Nobody tries to be a teacher. Nobody does that. They work for it. They go all in. But yet, we do this with God sometimes is that we fail to put our heart and our soul into our relationship with God and say, God, what would it be like? Because in the times I have experienced you, I've been overwhelmed by you. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to go all in with my heart and my soul. See, here's the reality, is that Christianity doesn't work part-time. Our relationship with God is not something we can half-step. 
It's not something. It becomes boring and lethargic. And if Christianity for you is boring, if it's dead, if you say, I missed the punch, then the problem, go back to the first thing we talked about, is not with the relationship, it's with the nurture. And ask yourself this question, am I all in? Am I all in? Because if I'm dry somewhere, maybe there's a part of my heart that is reserved, and I need to go all in. What would your life look like in six months if you went all in? What if today you started to make every decision for Jesus and allowed him to be the first in everything? What if you just started there? And you're all in. You said, Jesus, every decision that I consciously make, you don't have to go and stand five hours at the checkout line deciding between Milky Way and Snickers. Don't do that. Jesus, which one do you want me to have? He wants you to have both. Buy both of them, all right? But, but here's the thing. But every decision, am I going to love today? What kind of attitude am I going to have today? What, what am I going to focus on today? Who am I going to listen to today? I'm going to love today. What if we made Jesus first in everything? What if we made Jesus first in the area of the, the, the relationships that we created? What if we made Jesus first in the area and we went all in in the way we served? Hey, look, I know, I know, look, it's not easy to serve. It's not easy to do the things. And, and, and i got to tell you things. Look, there, there's things. Do you guys know this building gets cleaned every week? Both buildings. We own two buildings. We own two buildings. Yes. That's awesome. But we clean them every week. Do you know that back behind that wall that there are little ones with diapers <laughs> and, and who cry? And then across the street, there's kids. And that there's these guys that wear black jackets who are a security team. Do you guys know that the guys up here, that they serve? And, and I want to tell you that there's some things in the church that we might like to do. We might not like to do them. And some things we might not think we're good at doing. But here's my promise to you. Is that if you go all in and say, God, I'm just going to just take this chance. And you begin to serve all in. You might find joy and fulfillment like none other. What would your life look like in six months in your decisions, in your direction, in the area of fulfillment in your life? I promise you it would look great if you went all in. And Jeremiah 29, 13 gives us the promise for all in. It says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Ha <laughs> ha. You want to break boring? You want to break dead? Go all in. You go all in for Jesus, you will find him. And Jesus gives another promise. Is that once you taste me, and once you see me, you're going to know that I am good. That I am good. Amen, amen, amen. This morning, as we prepare, and we begin to say, God, we desire the right, the habit of having good relationships in our life. There may be things that you've been challenged with today, and that's okay, don't worry coming to it through the grace of God. But we want to give an opportunity to pray for you. So at this time, go ahead and prepare your tithe and your offering. But I want you to hold that envelope in your hand. Because in a second, we're going to pray. And that envelope is not just for money. 
What this envelope for is also your prayer requests. And I believe that in just a second, some of you might make a decision to say, I go all in. And I don't care if you've been to church your whole life, but you've never been all in. I want you to mark on that envelope, I want to go all in, because we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you during the week. We want to do that. That's what we want to do. Because going all in for Jesus will never, ever, ever disappoint you. Going all in and saying, God, I'm going to give you the first and the best of my life will never leave you short. Will never leave you short. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning, Lord, as we go to your word, as we come to your word, and we see what your word says, God, help us, help us in the area of relationships, that we would build a habit of having good relationships in our life. God, I pray right now for every person here, Lord, that either needs to walk through the process of healing a broken relationship or needs to sever a wrong relationship. Lord, I know that's not easy, but God, by your grace, begin to lead us and help us in this area. Walk us in the path of forgiveness if we need to walk that direction. Walk us in the path of strength if we need to sever a relationship. God, I pray that you begin to surround us with relationships that will grow us. Lord, begin to uh, allow us, Lord, to see our lives in a way surrounded by people who are headed the same direction, Lord, that are serving you all in. God, I pray, Lord, for every person here this morning that in the, in the, in the depth of their heart, their cry is this, God, I want to go all in for you. Lord, I pray that that's our prayer every day. But God, in this moment, Lord, for those who are saying, God, I want to go all in for you, Lord, I just pray right now that you would begin to reveal your love and your grace in a real way. That you would begin to stir up our hearts, Lord, with a fiery passion, God, to serve you like never before, Lord, to, to push into who you are, to taste and to see that you are good. Lord, to come into the place of understanding, God, that there is nothing better than living our lives full out for you. God, it's our desire, we pray this morning. If that's your prayer this morning, I just want you to join in with me in this simple, quick prayer. Jesus, I want to go all in. You have the entirety of my heart, my decisions, the direction of my life, the passion of my soul. I thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, if you made that decision to go all in, and you just want us to be in prayer with you this week, just put on your envelope. If you have an envelope, just check and say, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. Just go ahead and pass the plates. And as they're being passed, just drop them in there. Was my joke okay this morning? All right. Let me tell you what the worst thing that happened was last Sunday. Most of you guys supported me. Most of you guys supported me. My wife, my wife was mad. My wife was mad. She wasn't really mad. She doesn't get real, real mad at me or angry. But my almost 16-year-old daughter looked at me and said, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> Whew. All right. So, so all right. Lesson, lesson learned. Lesson learned. <laughs> all right.
They weren't my jokes, guys. I promise you. <laughs> oh, I, I love you guys so much. Look, let's, let's be happy today. Let's rejoice today. Today is a good, good day. Today is a good day. And most importantly, you have the opportunity to not leave this place on an empty stomach because right across the street, after you stand up, and I, I just declare a blessing over you, you can head across the street and for $10 Get a chicken spaghetti lunch with great sides, and it goes for a great cause. All right, stand to your feet, please. After we're done blessing each other, just love on everybody. Tell Alice happy birthday, and we'll see you across the street. Father, I declare your blessing, your grace upon every person. Father, I thank you that the revelation of your love shines upon us all. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you Wednesday at our small groups.